Would you turn your Bible, please, to Psalm 137, 137th Psalm. May we bow together in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in God's house today and for everyone who has come into this place. We pray that Jesus will be exalted and honored. And if there's one lost soul here or who listens by radio or somebody who needs to take a stand for Christ, that the Spirit of God will encourage them to do it today and give them the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 137, beginning with verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon a willow tree in the midst thereof, for there they carried us away captive. They required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now my text this morning is verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? The people of God were discouraged. They were God's chosen people. They knew they knew the Lord, but they had sinned against Him. And God allowed a pagan nation, Babylon, to come and take captive His own people. They led them down to Babylon. And there in Babylon, they made fun of them. They said, well, you Jews, you serve the Lord, don't you? Look what he's let happen to you. And then they sang, sort of, said sort of mockingly, why don't you sing about Zion, sing about Jerusalem, sing about the Lord. And those discouraged people hung their harps up on willow trees and they sat down and wept because they remembered the former glory. And it hurt them a great deal. And then they said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? Some people who are within sound of our voice today here in the auditorium or by radio feel somewhat the same way. You've had some discouragements come to you, some despair come to you. You're passing through a particularly tough time right now. And we're here singing. You say, I sort of feel like I'm in a foreign land. How can I sing those songs of Zion? There's much about music in the Bible. Music is the universal language. There are songs of gladness in Psalm 33.3 and Isaiah 42.10. Sing unto the Lord a new song. In Psalm 40 verse 3, He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto the Lord. There are songs of mockery. In Job 30, verse 9, Job says, Now I am become their song. They're making fun of me, and they just sing about me. You know, there are some songs that make fun of people. In Psalm 69, 12, the psalmist says, I was the song of the drunkards. They passed by and just made fun of me and wagged their heads at me, and they just sang in their drunkenness about me. And then the Bible speaks of songs in the night, times of discouragement. In Proverbs 25, 20, 
There's a song of singing to a heavy heart. Somebody's hurt, hurting inside. In Job 35, 10, he giveth songs in the night. Ever spend a night wondering if it would ever get daylight? He says, the Bible says he giveth songs in the night. Singing and giving are closely related. Singing and giving both are an expression in our life. They're an expression of our very souls. Now there are songs of joy in Psalm 32, 7. It speaks of songs in a time of deliverance. In Exodus 15, <clears throat> there's the song of Moses over the deliverance of the people of God out of Egypt. And in Revelation 15, we read about the song of Moses and the Lamb. Victory over the Antichrist that is yet to come and over the forces of evil. In Isaiah 35, 10, the ransom shall come with songs. What kind of songs? In Colossians 3, 16, we're told what God's people ought to sing. Singing and making melody in your heart with grace unto the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, singing. What kind of songs? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There's some perversion of music. Some of the modern ditties that put religious words to rock music is not of the Word of God at all. It's a mockery. What kind of songs? Psalms. Those great hymns from the Old Testament. Hymns like we've been singing this morning. And spiritual songs like he's primary sang to us this morning about the express way to heaven. I like that, kids. That was really good and beautiful. I have a song that Jesus gave me. He was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody. It's the melody of love. In my heart there rings a melody. There rings a melody, a melody of love. Now, as we said a moment ago, singing and giving are closely related. Singing is, is an expression of our giving to God the love of our hearts and lives. It is a symbol of our love. It is a symbol of our dependence upon Him. It is a symbol of our faith. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory. Singing and giving both are a symbol of our priorities. There's a song that says, why should I sing of lesser things? Now singing and giving are closely related. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we read about the five hymns that we'll hear when we first get to heaven. If you haven't read that passage lately, go home and read it today when you, in your afternoon or before you go to bed tonight. Revelation 4 and 5. When we first get to heaven, we're going to hear the choirs of heaven singing. All those heavenly creatures will be singing. All the angels of God will be singing. And the redeemed of all ages, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy is the Lamb to receive riches and power and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation and made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. When we get our eyes off of Jesus, it's hard to sing about him. We substitute other songs. We sing of lesser things. 
I think of two men that you're familiar with. First is George Beverly Shea. He's the one that made How Great Thou Art, such a well-known hymn in America. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He made that very important. Roll, Jordan, roll, many others. In George Beverly Shea's young life, he was offered a contract to sing in opera. He went for the audition. He had already committed his life to Jesus Christ. He knew the Lord. He had a wise mother who had prayed for him all of his young life. She knew that to argue with him wouldn't do much good. He had a will of his own. But she found a poem. And she knew that when Bev would come home at night, he'd sit down at the piano and play a little bit. And so she put on the piano this poem, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Sure enough, Bev Shea came home late in the night, sat down at the piano as usual, saw that poem. And God began to speak to his heart. As he fingered up and down the piano, the melody came to his heart. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. He went to bed. The next morning he came down and he was up before his mother. He started playing the music he had written to the song. And when his mother came in, he said, Mom, Jesus gets my life. The opera doesn't. And all the rest of his life, Bev Shea has been singing for Jesus. I don't think he's ever sung anything that didn't honor Christ. I think of another young man. Long, long, long years ago, in West Tennessee, I had the privilege of meeting him. You know him as Elvis Presley. Elvis grew up in a church of God. He used to sing the songs about the Lord. Some say he made a confession of faith in Christ. As Elvis grew into teenage years, he got his eyes off of Jesus. He had a beautiful voice. God had given him a wonderful, wonderful mechanism. Something that would have led the whole world to God. But Elvis got his eyes on the world, the flesh, and the devil. He began to sing songs like, You Ain't Nothing But an Old Hound Dog. And Love Me Tender. And then he spent his whole life ushering in the sex revolution. He died of an overdose. You decide which you want to be. When you get your eyes on Jesus, you can sing about him. When you get your eyes off of Jesus, you can't sing about him with your heart. You may sing some little song once in a while, some hymn, but it'll be different. And it's like that in our giving. The people in Psalm 137 were discouraged. They were in captivity. How can we keep on singing? How can we keep on giving our praise to the Lord? Well, they couldn't as long as they were discouraged and defeated. They couldn't as long as their lives were inconsistent. 
They couldn't unless there was a holy difference and a divine repentance and a consistent testimony, which reminds me of Psalm 1, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. This reminds me of the greatness of God. And the only way we can keep consistent for the Lord and keep our songs where they ought to be and keep our giving where it ought to be is to remember the greatness of God. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, how great thou art. How great thou art. God is great. I know, yes, I know that he loves me so. He sits by the window while the long ages roll, where an eon of time is the brush at his hand. Yet the king of all kings seeks the love of each man. Should the light of the sun and time flicker and die and the earth wander off like a tramp through the sky, the darkness can't hide me. He'll find me, I know, for men are his diamonds. And he loves me so. God is so good. And we think of the goodness, the greatness of God. How can we sing of lesser things? How can we withhold from God our, our heart, our time, our talents, our love, our all on the altar? When we came by a while ago at the end of Sunday school and placed these commitment cards on the open Bible, it was a thrill to stand there and watch people. Some came and did it maybe not knowing for sure all they were doing. Others came and put their card down very tenderly and prayerfully as a commitment of themselves to the Lord. Well, that's what that represents. It represents me, you. Tommy Hossel was a friend of mine. He and I worked in revival meetings together in college days. He became pastor of the Poplar Avenue Baptist Church in Memphis. They were having the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in December. And God had been dealing with Tommy a long time, I knew that. At one of the services, he just quietly wrote his name on, an, on a little piece of paper and folded it. Got one of those Lottie Moon Christmas offering envelopes and put it in there. Put his, that little paper. Not money, but just paper with his name on it. He was saying, Lord, I don't have much to give you, but I give you me. Myself. Tommy went to Brazil and served as God's missionary there for many years. You see, these commitment cards represent my life. They just represent me. I place it there. I say, Lord, I know your greatness, your goodness. I represent myself by putting my commitment there. And then in this passage, Psalm 24, as I think of how can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land, they couldn't unless they remembered the greatness of God. They couldn't unless they thought of the great grace of God. God's grace. The choir sang about the grace of God a little while ago. The grace of God appearing. For by grace are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. This psalm says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not one person here who has clean hands. There's not anybody here who has not sworn deceitfully. There's not anybody here who has a heart that's above reproach. We're all sinners. Every one of us. 
This psalm is speaking about Jesus. Who is it that will ascend into the hill of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus had pure hands, clean hands. He had a pure heart. He never lifted up his soul into vanity. And he went to the cross, and from the throne of his cross, the king of grief cries out to a world of unbelief, O men and women afar and nigh, is it nothing to you? And Christ died for our sins. He who knew no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, went to the cross and took the wages of sin for me. So that you so that I could be saved by grace? How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? Listen, we live in a foreign land. We live in a world that hates God, growing darker and darker. Oh, you say it's not growing darker. Look at all the inventions and the discoveries and all the medicines and all the science and all those things. Wonderful, but we don't know how to use them. We don't know how to control our own lives. And the darkness and the gloom is gathering. I read about uh, somebody in Congress the other day that introduced legislation in his own state to make drugs, cocaine and marijuana and the other drugs, legal for anybody 21 and over. They said, we're losing the battle on drugs. We can't lick them. Let's join them. So we'll just lift the ban on it and make, make it so everybody can have it. That's what we've done with liquor. Maybe do it with drugs. We've done that with abortion. The reason everybody wants freedom to have abortion is not women's rights. <laughs> that isn't it. It's so we can have sex rights. So we can live any way we want to live, have free sex, do anything we want to, and then cover up the evidence. That's what it's about. The world's growing darker. These are dark hours. The darkest time will be just before the dawn. We can't sing the songs of Zion in a world that hates God unless we keep our minds on the greatness of God and on the grace of God and what it cost God to save any one of us. The grace of God appears in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He went to the cross for us. They killed him. Three days later he was raised from the grave and he's alive today. He'll come into the heart of anybody who will let him. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? We can't unless we remember the glory of God. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And that Psalm 24 is talking about when Jesus, at the coronation, comes with all of the redeemed of all the ages, and we cry out, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And over there in the glory, it will be worth it all. It will be worth our songs. It will be worth our service. It will be worth our sacrifice. It will be worth our tithes. It will be worth our soul winning. It will be worth our giving when we all get to heaven. What a glory day it's going to be. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Father, that we can sing the songs of Zion in a world that hates God. In a world where sometimes we're pressed down with discouragement and despair. Things don't go right. A lot of things go wrong. But in the midst of it all, if we'll keep our minds on Jesus and remember the greatness of God and look forward to the glory of God, we can, stand. We can take a stand. We can come out from the world and 
say, Lord, I'm trusting you. We can come out from our old habits and say, Lord, I'm trusting you to give victory. We can take a stand, trust Christ as our Savior, and march on to Zion because of who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. May we stand, please. Number 252, come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Number 252, Brother Bob Stevenson will lead us in that. Now I want to ask you, I'm sorry, number 312, is that right? I gave you the wrong number, 312, page 312, come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. Now listen as we sing this, here's the invitation. Number one, if you've been saved but have not confessed Christ openly, I want, to, I want to just plead with you to come today and take that stand for Christ. You can do it. The devil will say, you can't do it. There are too many people here. Your feet are nailed to the floor. But you just step out and come and Jesus will bless you. If you've never been saved, come and we'd like to show you from the Bible how to give your heart to Christ. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you here, you come today. While we begin to sing, who will come first for the king? Will you step out for Christ right now? Just come right on while we sing.